So good morning and welcome everyone to the Canon Institute. I'm Isabella Tabarovsky. Today my guests are Sergei Shpilkin and Sergei Parhomenko, and we're discussing the passing of Russia's constitutional amendments and what that means for the future of the country. A few days ago, Russia concluded its vote on the new constitutional amendments. The new Russian constitution is now the law of the land. It changes some 60% of the previous constitution and perhaps the most significant change, which was really the main reason that this all began in the first place, is that it effectively permits President Putin to remain in power for the rest of his life. Uh, he will now be able to stand for re-election in 2024 and in 2030, so he can look ahead to an uninterrupted 16 years in power. And uh, if he stands for re-election, uh, if the past is any indication of the future, then it's, it's hard to imagine that, that uh, he will lose uh, a, a re-election bid. Uh, a nationwide vote was held in Russia in the last week of June, and the official result is that the absolute majority backed the passing of the new constitution. But is that what the numbers really say? And most importantly, is this a kind of political triumph that President Putin was looking for? So to discuss these questions with me are Sergei Shpilkin and Sergei Parhomenko. Sergei Shpilkin will begin our discussion. He is Russia's leading independent election analyst, collecting, publishing, and analyzing precinct level election data on federal elections in Russia. He has developed a unique method to estimate electoral fraud, and for his work he has received a prestigious prize from the Liberal Mission Foundation and an Advocate of Free Elections Medal from the Golos Association. Sergei Parhomenko is a senior advisor at the Canon Institute. He is a Russian journalist, publisher, and founder of several projects aimed at developing civic activism and pro uh, promoting liberal values in Russia. He hosts a weekly program, Sud Sabiti, The Heart of the Matter, on the Echo of Moscow radio station. Sergei Shpilkin, the floor is yours. Okay, hello. So let me start with my presentation then, and I will comment while it goes. Just a, just a minute, sorry. I'm, I need to, to select the correct screen. No problem, take your time. No, no. Yeah, here it is. Okay, then, what is it what it is all about it is i will be talking on about the statistical analysis of the election of the vote that we had recently and then a little some some background for first of all i'm sorry but I, okay yes well, the constitutional vote was held on the, on the week of June 25th, July 1st, and it was held on a speci especially fuzzy rules. It was defined as not a referendum, as a unique, uh, as a unique event. It was very difficult to monitor as a result. Only monitors ap appointed by the you know, civil 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 chambers, the so-called civil chambers, which are government operator, non-governmental organizations are, were allowed to, to monitor. So the only monitoring, independent monitoring resource was uh, independent uh, pressing members, but they are rare in all regions except maybe Moscow. And it took seven days of 16 hours. So little few people could afford to, to leave their main main business and to dedicate themselves 
fully to the monitoring. So many, many places were unmonitored even if, if there were independent observers. There also there were was widespread voting outside voting stations. Okay, let, let and no video broadcast to control the to check the the voting during the voting day. And also there was a non-transparent electronic voting systems system. Okay, so the official result is indeed very impressive. The turnout was 68%, uh, which is very high compared to all federal votes uh, in, the, in our history. And the percentage, yes, was 70, almost 78%, which means that formally a half of all voters uh, voted for yes. So what we are doing in, in our informal independent team of analysts, we are performing the statistical analysis of data from the vote. We know that the, official, the data, the vote produces much more data than the official figure outcomes. And statist the statistical analysis helps uh, in many aspects. For, for, first of all, it complements human observation because it is much more comprehensive. It, it covers areas where in the direct observation is impossible or not feasible. And as it is based on official data, it is difficult to, to dispute. The approach is, well, okay, I'll skip some slides because I, I will keep them just for reference for, the, for future viewers. But uh, some very, Various types of statistical analysis were used in since 1980s. So here, is, here are some references. And what we are doing, we are collecting the present level data and looking at them, finding some uh, trends and uh, and uh, strange strange facts. And what, what can we do with this? We, when we collect the data, the data are about 1 million numbers for the whole vote in, in our case, because there are 100,000 100, precincts in the country. We need to put them somehow on a chart to look at them and to understand what they mean. So here is the chart. In this case, this is a chart for the 2000 election of Vladimir Putin, the first election, the first election where Vladimir Putin was elected president. At this side, we see each precinct result depicted as a as points on a turnout result co coordinates. So green dots are Vladimir Putin results on each precinct of the country. Red dots are his competitor, Gennady Zyuganov's results, and other candidates in total are marked yellow. So we see that the, the scatter plot consists of a dense cloud with some, some scattered points outside it. 
And on the other side, we see how the, the votes are distributed over the turnout. So this is turnout on, at various precincts, and this is the number of votes cast for each candidate at, at these precincts. We see that all curves for all candidates are proportional. So at any precinct, the proportion of, at any turnout, the proportion of votes cast for each candidate is approximately the same for independently of turnout, except the very, the hi very higher tur highest turnout where the uh, administrative candidate, that is Vladimir Putin, the government supported candidate wins a little over other candidates in proportional. And this disproportional part is dashed here. And it corresponds to approximately 3 million votes because the area is R exactly votes. Okay. Then this is the presidential election of 2018. We see that the cluster, the green cluster of votes for Vladimir Putin is still exists as a dense cloud, but there is also a comet tail, so-called, so that goes up to higher turnouts and higher results. And this is a natural occurrence if we suppose that votes are added for Vladimir Putin at some precincts, then it leads to increasing turnout and increasing his result. And we, we, give, we have this tail. On the, left on the left chart, we see that this bell-shaped part corresponds to the main cloud. And in, in this main cloud, the proportion of votes for various candidates are still this is still constant but after some turnout we see that there arises a difference of vote of vote distributions and this difference corresponds to this dashed area and it corresponds to approximately 10 10 million extra votes disproportionate votes that vladimir putin received at these higher turnouts and if we if we accept that this tail is because of this higher turnout, because of adding votes, then this 10 millions corresponds to the so-called anomalous votes. It corresponds to the amount of votes that need to be cast for additionally for Vladimir Putin for this distribution to, to have this form instead of a, of a simple cloud. And what's so another thing? So yeah. I want to say that we, unfortunately, because of the way the Zoom screen uh, is shaped, we can only see part of the right-hand chart. So I'm not sure oh, we're seeing what you're referring that's bad. to. That's bad. Can I move it? To comment. Will it, be, I don't, will it be better here? Well, we can't. We can only see half of the clouds. You can um, move. You can move them. You can move the the window, right? No. Ah, you yes, move, you're move right. The pain, the pain. We each can move it. our own. Okay. Yes, I don't know how it, how it, how it is, it is recorded, unfortunately. Neither I do I. Okay, well, I have just moved it and yes, I just don't know, move, just move the pain to the left. Okay, got it. Yeah. Okay, so okay. maybe others will see it. Okay. Okay, then. Okay, and then our present vote. Yes, and one more, one more feature that could be noted here. The, the teeth 
you see this graph has teeth on nice values of turnout. And here you see the, check, the checkered pattern in the dots, formed by the dots. This means that some, some precincts do try to demonstrate some nice turnout values. And this so-called Churovso, named after the president of Central Electric Commission of that time, Vladimir Churov, uh, means demonstrates some administrative uh, well demand for nice results of vote. And we'll see it much more in much more amount at this vote. And here is the result of the current of the present vote. What we see here, it's drastically different from the previous one, but we see that there still is a cloud around, well, let's say 65% of yes, and turn out about 43%. It's seen by the necktie, as seen by the necktie. And we have a, a giant tail of precincts that are moved from that central cloud to higher turnouts and higher result values. And it also has a checkered pattern demonstrating attraction to nice values of turnout and to nice values of result for, for also the horizontal part, horizontal lines. And on the left side, you see that the proportion of votes, proportion of votes for yes and no is, keep, is kept for, for turnouts less than about percent. And then, it, then they diverge in the shape the gray line is what the, what the yes curve would be if, if the proportion was kept at the turnouts too. And the dashed area corresponds to 97 million votes. So this is the estimate of the votes that were, could be probably, that were probably added for the vote by some fraud falsification mechanisms. There are different mechanisms actually from putting extra ballots to just writing, writing extra numbers in the protocols. And we cannot, do, cannot discern between the two unless we have some live uh, witnesses from the, from the places. And as we, as we, as I told before, it is very difficult to. It's very difficult to to observe because, the, because of the week long vote vote process that requires a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, effort from observer on observer side. So unfortunately, it, it was very poorly controllable. So what we have now, and this is, I I wrote. One, one and a half times. So this is the record high number of anomalous vote. Anomaly, we never had such, such the anomalous of such scale. The previous record was about 15 million, 15 million votes at the vote, the parliamentary election of 2011 and the presidential election of 2008. And almost a half of votes is probably 
falsified. And the integer percentage anomaly here, that's what I wanted to show. This is the same so, the same so that you see here, but but depicted in at a smaller, at a more finer, at a finer scale. And you see that there are peaks not only at the multiples of five, but also at each integer percent. So there were pressings that tended to demonstrate turnouts and results corresponding to integer percents. And this is an important indicator because it, first of all, it is a sure indicator of fraud because you cannot plan the turnout or result in advance with before opening the box. And the second, you cannot, as these anomalies exist, it means that there is a, a, a demand from, from above for better results, for some nice results, nice figures. And this is the estimate of the total amount of, of, of total size of the anomaly made by Dmitry Kobok. And it is higher than for any election before in the Russian history since 2000, year 2000. And so now we can look at some regions. First of all, Moscow, that was under very good electoral control since the protests in 2011. And there were no election fraud, almost no election fraud, at least at the, at the voting day since, since that time. But now we have the same picture, maybe less pronounced than for the whole country, but we still see a cloud and a tail. Compare this to what we saw in 2018, at the presidential election two years ago. There was no tail at all. Only, only a central cluster. So now, unfortunately, Moscow is broken and uh, we cannot, cannot rely on the Moscow results as uh, properly counted, unfortunately. The St. Petersburg is in, in, in an even worse position. We can see that there could be a, a, a main cloud here, but there is almost nothing left of it. We see that it is all, it's approximately the same turnout of 40, 40 something percent and same result of 60 something percent, yes. But the main part, most, most precincts are moved to 80% turnout and 80% result about. And we see lots of various small features that actually demonstrate some local falsification patterns if you look closer, we'll see some lines and uh, dots and clusters that correspond to some local power, local authorities drawing results out of thin air. But still there were honest regions. This is a whole Arkhangelsk oblast in the north of Russia that have, has a cloud with almost no tail because these are probably very small precincts in far, far to re hard to reach areas that could have a higher turnout and higher results probably. But the same the center is at the same place, fifty percent maybe turnout, a little higher turnout, but 
the same yes proportion of six, 60% yes and 40% no, 60, 60 something. Tom's region in this in Siberia demonstrates the same pattern, the same range of turnout and the same range of yes. And here we see a, an example of split region. The center of the region demonstrates the main cluster, constitutes the main cluster at the same place, 45% turnout and 65% yes. And a tail that goes to the sky to this 100% of both. And this is a totally falsified region, the Stavropol Krai in the south of Russia. This line means just that precincts just reported the same number, the same predetermined number, like 96% yes. And the turnout is absolutely unbelievable for a million city, almost a million city like, like Stavropol in this situation. And you see some remnants of actual probably results some, somewhere here at 43% and 60, 60 yes. But there were more, fi even funnier things. The small town of Klinze in the west of Russia demonstrated 81% yes at odd-numbered precincts and 80% yes at even-numbered precincts. Just, just they didn't even pretend to do to draw something something uh, realistic. And this is the town of Nalchik, the, the capital of Kabardino-Balkaria, where most precincts reported 90% yes, which is very high. And some reported 40% yes, which is extremely low, unbelievably low, and all, also constant ones. And here, and you don't, go, don't need to go far, this is the Raminskaya, 30 miles from the Moscow center, where most many precincts reported exactly 75% yes, also without any dispersion or anything. So unfortunately, this is the conclusion. It, is, it was probably the most falsified vote in the Russian history. And these 27 anomalous votes for yes, almost the half of total, mean that actual results were much farther from the 50, absolute 50% support. The actual turnout, if we correct for this amount, was about 43%, just, just what we saw on the graphs, but it was calculated from the shaded area at the graphs at the left part of the chart. And yes was about 30 million, which means, which is uh, less than 30% of total voters and which is about 65% of those who actually voted. And no was uh, about 64% and 1% uh, invalid ballots. And that's all. Thank you. Thank do you. I need to, do I need to stop sharing? I think yes, okay. uh, stop sharing okay. so that yes, exactly. So thank you very much. I, I love your graphs. It's not the first time that Sergei Shpilkin is here uh, at the Canon Institute and it's fascinating for, for people who are not trained in statistical analysis or mathematics and who don't look at a lot of charts. It's fascinating to be able to still look at them and see so clearly uh, what the 
problem is. Uh, Sergei Parhovinka, I have my questions, but I wonder if you want to chime in and either comment or ask some questions of, uh, of Sergei. No, 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 just, I, I was a question, so, so let's, let, let's start. <laughs> Okay, so, so I Thank want you. to ask, uh, so of course, obviously, vote manipulation is not anything new in Russia, in, in federal elections, they've done it for the whole of Putin's term. Uh, but there was a particularly, as I understand, a particularly aggressive campaign uh, to, to bring out the vote, so to speak, to pretend, perhaps, that the vote is being brought out. And I wonder, Sergei Parhomenka, if maybe you can comment on the media campaign that preceded it, uh, because there were some really outrageous moments in it, uh, and 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 how uh, people kind of were being hunted in order to to show that they were voting. So I wonder if you can say a few things about that. Yes. So, Sergey. Okay, let you, you, if you start. want me to comment, okay, let's yeah, yeah. Let, let, let's okay. From, if, from what I see in statistics, actually the campaign had well an ex extremely low outcome, I would say. There is almost no trace of uh, any 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 well I, I don't see I don't see anything in statistics. Well, let's say let's say that like this, because almost the whole country has the trace, at least the trace of this main voice, main cluster of precincts at the same, at approximately the same place of 40, 43% turnout and 65% uh, result or something like this, 63 and this is almost independent of the region, independent of this uh, well, well, demography, independent of the type of settlement, because the little little oh, resort settlement on a on the beach of Krasnodarsky Krai, which is a trans traditionally conservative region, demonstrated the under the independent observation demonstrated the exactly same result in, as in Moscow, for example, and it's. The only one exception was the Nenetsk Autonomous Region, which voted against the changes because of the consolidated protest, but it was a political protest, a regional political protest. Otherwise, there is almost no, no traces of anything that could influence people to vote higher or to, to demonstrate higher turnout. Maybe there were in some areas, yes, we see that higher turnouts with the same t with the same results. For example, the Chelyabinsk region, it's is an, an industrial region with high with uh, large industrial enterprises that probably influence their workers to vote at the workplace. Do demonstrate higher turnouts. The turnout is smeared. Turnout distribution is smeared to the higher higher values, but the results are the same. So it's the picture of people who are stimulated to vote, but not monitored for, not controlled for the result. And the result is still the same. So it seems that the campaign probably influenced the overall outcome, but did not, uh, well, did not shift anything substantially. 
I, I don't know if, whether Sergei would tell better what would what it would look like if the campaign was more more open and more openly declared that the main goal was to was the right rule of Vladimir Putin, but uh, otherwise. In, in Sergey, un unmute yourself. Statistics, it looks very uniform audience. Yeah. I think it, it was it was a campaign without rules. It was a campaign when everything everything was possible for Vladimir Putin and his team. And it, it, I think it's it, it's a very important to know that behind all these numbers was a secret dream of Vladimir Putin. And in the Russian tradition, the dream of the Tsar is the is the order of, of Tsar. <laughs> So this dream was uh, to, to, to have more than a half of all the Russian people. The 50% 50, 50 of all Russian voters uh, was the, the, the objective, was the, 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 the goal of uh, all Putin's and Kremlin's team during, during this war. And we can see that the falsified numbers, the, the result after all these strange votes, uh, strange uh, ballots, after all this uh, manipulation, was exactly a little bit more than a half of, uh, uh, of, the, of the total of Russian voters. It was uh, 52.6, something like this, yes? But, uh, in in uh, in a real situation, it was uh, much uh, much uh, much uh, uh, much less of of of, of vote. It was because uh, uh, we see this uh, 27 million of manipulated uh, voters, 27 million millions of strange, uh, unnatural votes. So uh, this uh, analysis destroy this uh, this uh, fairy tale of uh, country supporting totally in uh, the great majority the power the power of, of Vladimir Putin and I think the the goal and the the idea of this uh, absolutely uh, absolutely unbelievable uh, state propaganda campaign before this war. It was firstly this idea of 50 percent uh, at all, uh, and uh, uh, even the even the normal um, restrictions, normal rules. Uh, I, I mean, I mean, not normal for Russian tradition was abandoned and and was uh, was uh, uh, forget forgotten for, for this election. Uh, for example, there's the normal rule of uh, the silence of last day. Normally in Russia, the last day of election, uh, the all kind of, uh, uh, of uh, advertisement, of, uh, of uh, kind of, of propaganda uh, is banned. But now it was possible, just the, just the last day, just all these uh, seven days of vote, it was 
not a normal what of one day. It was a, a whole week of war. And uh, during all this week, it was possible to continue all kind of propaganda and uh, uh, all uh, state of uh, Russian TV channels and uh, radio stations and newspapers and uh, uh, millions of, of uh, uh, very specially count uh, in all uh, Russian um, uh, social networks uh, still, uh, still working during this, this, uh, this week. It, it was absolutely unbelievable. And uh, the idea is uh, to increase the turnout because only the, uh, the, the higher turnout uh, is a, uh, is a, give a possibility to have this, uh, uh, this uh, dreamed uh, number of 50% uh, of all Russian voters. Thanks. So, so let's restate again, what percentage of the Russian population actually voted and what percentage of that voted for and against? Can we just state that? Okay, let, let me go to the, let me check the numbers from the screen, yeah. But, okay, so the total, total amount of, of people who actually voted was approximately 44, 46 million which means about 40% uh, of, of, the, of the total voters. And the votes yes were 30 million, which is about 27, 27% of total voters. This is, really, this is a realistic, actually, a realistic amount. And if they did not use all this effort to falsify the result, it would still be yes maybe less uh, maybe it would be less uh, less uh, less strong less uh, less pleasant to the to the party to the powers but still it was it would be yes but they choose the another the dif a different way they choose to, to 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 use widespread fraud and to falsify the votes now we have what we have. So, so I want to ask, I just, I find it really interesting that, um, first of all, we know that some of the campaigns that the authorities, the media campaigns that, that were meant to turn out the vote, there was one, um, you know, that some of them were really geared toward pushing on people's fear buttons, right, to trigger certain buttons to, uh, so there was one one um, ad that was especially a commercial that was especially um, kind of it made headlines that was quite homophobic. There were others that were quite chauvinistic. And so what I'm wondering about, if that did not get people out to vote, does it mean that the Kremlin's assessment of what's important for the voters and what what are the main triggers? What are the fears, for example, of the voters? It's just it, it's completely uh, unrealistic. It's wrong in its assessments. Uh, it means that there is a real uh, division, right, between the Russian population and uh, the people in the Kremlin. That the people in the Kremlin really don't understand the population anymore. What do you does that uh, is that a fair assessment? Sergey, it's your 
Sergey Parhomenko, let's ask you about that. Unmute. Yeah, that's that's the sound. So uh, I think uh, the, the idea of Putin uh, and the idea of Putin's administration is uh, all the time uh, this idea of uh, uh, of total domination in uh, in uh, Russian politics. All the Russian propaganda. Uh, speaks all the time about just few person, person, just uh, ju just a couple of uh, Russian dissidents or uh, Russian opposition, and uh, about opposition who never play any serious role in this uh, in uh, the in the Russian in the Russian politics, and uh, it's. Uh, uh, it's uh, the uh, the uh, trivial, normal situation in Russia to speak. Ah, it's, it's just a few persons, just maybe maybe six persons, maybe maybe uh, maybe just a uh, just a, uh, a couple of of, of oppositioners. But and all the Russian uh, sociology, all the Russian polls. All the Russian pollsters, uh, paid by state by state and controlled by state, uh, uh, work for this, work to support this uh, agenda, work to support this conception of total domination of uh, Putin's support and Putin's Putin's politics. So we have maybe one time for for a few years to see exactly. What is a real situation in the absence of normal polls in Russia, in the absence of not normal sociology in Russia? We don't have any information to as a base of our analy analysis because because we, we, we see the the system of uh, traditional Russian poll for for this for these decades. Uh, if uh, somebody call a Russian citizen. By this personal uh, personal phone to ask him to ask him uh, uh, are you love Putin uh, the normal the normal question the normal answer is yes yes I, I do I do I love Putin. yes yes if you have if you have my my personal phone number yes I I love Putin and uh, uh, we, we can we can see nothing. Uh, nothing uh, true, nothing uh, uh, serious in the in the Russian polls. So for, for us, for Russian journalists, for Russian analytics, for for Russian um, uh, polit political scientists, it's a very important thing. This kind of work to see uh, uh, one time for many years what is the real situation, and the real situation is 29 percent. The real situation is 29% of support of Putin because everybody in Russia knows very well it was a vote for or against Putin. It was a referendum about Putin, not about the uh, 200, 206 uh, amendments to Russian constitution. Uh, 
uh, frankly speaking, we have a very serious amendments uh, uh, in in this in these two hundred six six amendments. For example, the distribution of power between president, government, and uh, uh, parliament, uh, or for example, the the dis total destruction, uh, the, the the situation with Russian Russian uh, justice, with Russian court, the independence of Russian court is totally destroyed by this amendment uh, in this constitution. But this vote was not about it. This vote was about, about if you want Putin for more 20 years or not. And uh, well, the answer was, the answer was 20, 29% yes. That's very important for us. Well, that is very important because what you're saying basically is that first of all, we don't, we actually don't know who the Russian voter is and what they like and what they want. But this showed that only 29% want for Putin to continue. Absolutely, we didn't know. Yeah, in, that's true. In, yeah, and so I want to ask uh, both of you. So this is basically a constitution that was adopted by a, an extreme minority of Russian voters. This is a constitution, this is not a majority Russian voters constitution, it's a constitution of a minority. And as a, a large percentage of Russian voters is basically being ignored, their opinion is being ignored. Um, and they're being excluded for all intents and purposes from the political process. What does that mean? Does that have consequences in the current Russian system? Does it have consequences for the legitimacy of the government? Does it matter? What could be the political consequences here? Well, I would, I would object to this because actually if this was a political uh, referendum, an actual referendum, then the turnout threshold would be 50% and the adoption threshold would be 50% also. So it would be enough to have 25% of the voters vote for the new constitution. So no, it is not the extreme minority. It's, it's not the minority constitution actually formally, at least from the formal point of view. Okay. But uh, still, I don't have, I don't, don't know anything about feelings, but probably people won't be, would be some, somehow disappointed with all this process, because they were, again, I would disagree with Sergei, they were called, were called to vote for various good things, like good, like better medicine, better medical system, or better pensions, or better, better social reforms. But in the end, they, get, they have a triumph of Vladimir Putin, as it is formulated. I'm not sure that most, many people, lots of people voted for exactly this. I suppose that many of them were honestly deceived by what propaganda said about before the referendum, not after, because the tone changed abruptly. And this is another difficulty that I foresee in the future. So, Sergei, unmute. Unmute yourself. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, I don't know. I think I think it's it's a, almost a normal situation for Russia when the serious part of Russian population is not represented anywhere. We see five 
Dumas in a row when the, the serious part of Russian population is not represented, absolutely by, is not represented but by any party, by any deputy, by, by any uh, group of uh, parliamentary people. So uh, it's, a, it's a more or less normal situation for Russia of the situation of this gap between the official policy and the real policy, between the, the uh, events and the situation uh, on the parliament, on the government, between parliament and government, between parliament and uh, Supreme Court and the Constitutional Court. It's called in Russia, your politics. I'm not interested in this, your politics. And the, it's a very important thing in Russia because the, 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 I think the big majority of Russian people don't understand that is it not possible to be, to, to be not interested in politics. Because if, you're not, if, you don't, if you are not interested in politics, politics is interested of you. So, so uh, the, this, uh, this feeling of isolation from any political, uh, political matter, any political issue, uh, I'm not interested in it. I'm uh, outside of politics. It's a, it's a very, very uh, often Russian phrase. I'm outside of politics. Normally, it's not possible. But lots of Russians think about it, and lots of Russians will answer you if you ask this Russian about everything, about, about law, about independence, about freedom of speech, about freedom of press, about freedom of, of demonstrations, about everything. I'm outside of politics. So this situation, uh, unfortunately, is a very very long and very, very, uh, very founded situation in Russia. No. And so what do you think, oh, Sergei Spilkin, go ahead, un un unmute yourself. Un unmute yourself, Sergei, we can't hear you. Sorry, yes, and I would add a little addition just, I would say that this referendum could have a consequences, a consequence of increasing the political involvement, exactly the political involvement that Sergei says about, because it was intended to, to increase the all, the whole propaganda campaign had to had a consequences to increase political involvement of people. And we'll see probably see the result of this political involvement later at this autumn's vote, probably voting day and uh, the next year's uh, Duma election probably too. So can you say more about that? What kind of, what do you mean by increased political involvement? Well, I, well, we saw this once already. After the election of Vladimir Putin in 2018, there was a lot of promises given and a lot of, th of good things promised and nothing happened. 
and people and instead of this the the government increased the pension the the retirement age at, at the same same year and and in in the autumn five regions protested did not elect their govern the governor proposed governors five governors failed at the governor's elections and uh, two were re-elected uh, two were elected uh, well the opposition won as a result the opposition won three governmental seats and it's probably it's there is a probability that this would lead to something like this in this case too i'm not sure about this autumn because it's too close but the situation is tense economically it stands politically so probably yes even this even this autumn too at uh, this autumn but the next election the next duma election will be at, at least now it is planned for the next autumn the beginning of september and probably by the, that time people will have to say will some will have something to say already Sergei Parhomenko, do you see um, any signs of mobilization? Maybe I, I know it's too early, but do you do you foresee that um, among the circles that are considered opposition circles in Russia? Do you anticipate a greater mobilization and greater activity? Actually, actually, the result of this vote was. Uh, very very quick result and uh the the most uh, maybe the most uh, running joke now in russian in russian facebook is uh, uh so now russians uh, voted for a constitution and you don't you don't imagine what was after this uh, and after this was uh, the repressions and after this we see lots of uh, arrests, lots of repressions, lots of uh, the of new um, of new um, accusations, new uh, new uh, arrest of uh, Russian journalists and Russian opposition men. And the most important, maybe it was just the the thing of yesterday was one of the most uh, known Russian journalists and specialist uh, in uh, military journalism, uh, specialist of uh, armament trade and, uh, and uh, the, uh, the uh, military, military production complex and Russian army was uh, yesterday arrested and accused as, uh, as a spy. It's uh, absolutely, uh, absolutely, uh, um, it's an absurd. It's it's an, it's a, it's a just a, uh, just a joke. But uh, this guy is uh, is uh, on the prison now, and uh, we uh, can uh, we well can see more of this of these cases and this uh, great victory of uh, this vote. We see now what is the price of this victory. What is what is the me me mechanics of this victory? But the 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 this great victory of this vote 
will be resulted by uh, lots of uh, uh, lots of new activity of uh, Russian uh, uh, enforcement agencies and Russian uh, FSB and Russian police. So uh, now uh, these uh, people, um, I think these these people. Uh, uh, is like a like like a, a new freedom of of uh, of work uh, uh, of function and uh, this 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 these people can uh, now uh, uh, work as uh, as 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 he wants after after this war. Well. I would say that the most more important part is that the, all this campaign hit a silent wall of these 34% that voted against. And this is not a negligible minority as it is. it was common to represent the opposition in Russia. It is not the so-called 14% or 5% or whatever of uh, Moscow, of Moscow educated class. It's not an educated class, it's people over the, over the whole country and every part of the country that voted against and they're a qualified mon minority, I would say. There are a third of votes. And a third of votes is a very significant force that cannot be managed by, well, I, what Sergei says, the enforcement agencies it cannot this this problem cannot be solved by police by police measures it, it only could be solved by some economic changes or something like this and it is it would be very costly and very difficult to implement both psychologically i i absolutely agree it, it can be it can be managed by by the the enforcement agencies but uh, uh, they will try to manage it by enforcement agencies. It, that's the problem. I'm sure that finally it will be impossible. But we will see for this uh, month and maybe this year, we will see lots of tentatives uh, to, to, to resolve this, this problem by police, FSB and National Guards. That's the problem, and that's the tragedy of uh, Russian uh, uh, Russian independent press and uh, a Russian uh, opposition. You know what's interesting in what you're saying is uh, we had a piece by Max Trudalubov recently, who's our editor in chief of our Russia File blog, where he discussed some research that showed that whenever that this practice uh, that's called continuismo uh, from the Latin American term, the practice of extending your term beyond the term that's allowed by the basic law of the land uh, is actually, uh, it's, it's often meant to, uh, or certainly in Russian case, it's meant to kind of provide more stability. But in reality, it, uh, it, we can see from research that it leads to some very unexpected consequences that, uh, you know, as you say, political activity may increase or the elites may um, 
finally unite against uh, the ruler and push him out of the office. And so, in fact, what seems to be, what was meant to create more stability, in fact, creates the opposite. And I think that I'm hearing you say that something like this could happen here as well. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a very interesting uh, analysis. Uh, uh, of course, uh, all these matters uh, um, uh, now in now in Russia are uh, appreciated by Russians as uh, something absolutely unique, as something absolutely unbelievable, that absolutely never happened before. But uh, in fact, if uh, we see the the the, the, the political practices of uh, last century, we will see hundreds, hundreds of, of uh, tentatives of this continuism of all kinds of, of, uh, uh, of methods and all, of, all, all kinds of, of techniques of this continuism. Uh, and uh, uh, it's, uh, uh, it's, it's, it's a normal for authoritarian regime that the, the, um, uh, the big boss try to continue to, to stay on the power uh, beyond his own constitution, beyond his law. Uh, and uh, it's, um, it's absolutely, it's a banalized situation, it's a, it's a, it's a normal, uh, it's a normal situation for abnormal states. <laughs> so, so uh, I think uh, it's maybe the, the 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 last the last good news in the, in this in this Russian situation situation now. Uh, and uh, that, in this point, I, I agree with Sergei Shpilkin that it's not now the the 2011 uh, was uh, we saw the revolt of. Uh, uh, some special uh, Muscovite public, some special Muscovite designers or uh, artists or journalists or intellectuals, but the, the, just a small group of Muscovite young, young people. Now it's a totally different situation because uh, the, the, we, we see this, uh, this amount of uh, people watching no, even after a lot of money distributed by state, just the day of war, uh, even after this uh, crazy propaganda campaign, even after all this uh, act of pressure uh, from uh, Russian um, state agencies, even after all this, uh, lots of people wanted no. Uh, and uh, I think it's a, uh, it's an interesting example of this uh, standard continuismo in, uh, in Russia. Well, I think we have to wrap up on that. Thank you very much uh, for, for this discussion. And uh, Sergei Spilkin, I have a feeling that we'll keep uh, turning to your analysis. As, as sad as it is to, tell, to say, I have a feeling we'll still be needing you in the coming years uh, and we'll be inviting you. And Sergei Parhomenka, thank you very much as always. And it's great to have you as part of our team. And thank you very much. We'll be seeing you all next time.